Welcome to the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And thanks for joining us today. So unfortunately, we have to start off with a little bit of bad news. Uh, one of our co-hosts, who you've been hearing from a lot the last uh, last number of months, uh, Carrie, has moved on to, well, I was going to say bigger and better things, but I'll just say new things because I don't Different know. Things, I, yes. I mean, I don't know if you can get bigger and better than hanging out in the Sandbox Global Headquarters. But. Well, and I, I don't think you can, especially when the Global Headquarters is uh, spread out across a, an entire city like it is now. <laughs> but, you know... Carrie, you know, she said things like, I need to go and I need to be able to feed my family and, and get another job. So I guess we'll let her go. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll miss her and we've appreciated her voice. And uh, But you will hear her voice uh, in this episode and in a few to come. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've definitely enjoyed having her be a part of this. And uh, while we uh, while we're, we'll miss her around here, we obviously wish her uh, well in the new things as well. But um, with that being said, I want to get into today's episode. So we've been talking a lot about coronavirus because it turns out I didn't think we were still going to be dealing with it this this late in the year. But yeah, can you here we are. That? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's yeah. Early on, it felt like we all started out on this crazy sprint. And Mm -hmm. now we are realizing that we're actually in a marathon and some of us have only run to the bathroom and back and that's our only experience running. So (laughs) when you said sprint, it, it conjured up uh, images of me, you know, running directly to the couch to watch Netflix those first few weeks of quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) Back when it was all new, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, but we're still in it and and still trying to figure out ways to to navigate this this reality reality that we're in. Yeah, and so, you know, as as we're doing that, as people around us are doing that, you know, people are, are finding all sorts of ways to continue, you know, being creative, to develop community and and finding new patterns and ways of putting good into the world and we thought it would be great to just take a little bit of time through these episodes and share some of their stories. In this episode, we'll share our conversation with some friends of ours, and then we'll continue the conversation next week with, uh, with some more guests and share ways that people are making the best of the situation of this uh, coronavirus that we're all living through. So with that, welcome to episode 99, Creativity in the Age of COVID, part one. Welcome to the Sandbox. I'm Derek Jensen, and I'm executive chef at Chester's Kitchen and Barn, and I've been a restaurateur for about, oh, 35 years, and uh, in and out of the business at times, but uh, I've been working as a chef for probably 20 years straight, as an executive chef, actually, so um, never in my wildest dreams did I did I see this coming for our, for our business and for what we would have to go through. As, as it approached, I felt it coming. And it was it was a weird, eerie feeling because the more they talked about the virus, the more that I thought to myself, "Well, we are a problem. Yeah. The restaurant <laughs> is a problem. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're congregating people in uh, enclosed spaces. Um, exactly what they were saying is what this virus likes. So, kind of saw it coming, and then of course they shut us down to help flatten the curve. So, you know, it was kind of a big sacrifice in the beginning." When you were shut down, what was the 
what was the experience like for you in terms of, you know, not knowing maybe your personal future, future, not knowing the future of the restaurant, you know, not knowing when you could reopen or when you could reopen partially. Um, I, I feel like I maybe remember you saying you, like you guys did some takeout for a little while and it just didn't really work. So, so what, what, what did that all feel like? And then what's unique about, about your restaurant that required maybe a different solution than some of the other ones that have reopened earlier or been more successful with the takeout okay. model? Yeah. So the the first part of the question about you know how how did it, how did it feel? It it felt rough. It was like there was a, there was a thought: Are we going to reopen? Mm-hmm. I mean, is this mm-hmm. is this how bad is this going to be? Is this the end of of Chester's? So a lot of that was kind of in my mind, and just kind of existentially, like, what does it mean for restaurants in the future or similar places? Yeah. What's so? What's unique about Chester's that? requires a, a solution that's maybe different from other restaurants well we were um we're we're kind of big enough so when we when we got word that we could kind of reopen we realized that um you know we could we could go at 50 percent capacity and um and kind of survive um i have a good friend who who works in a restaurant that's a little smaller and i really felt for them because the the idea of doing takeout um in our setting was not going to be sustainable. It's just we're, we're too big um, of a restaurant with too many uh, salaried employees and, and employees in general that mm-hmm. it just was not, it, that, that idea was not going to be a sustainable way to continue to do business. The part of where we had to start to get creative was like, well, how is this all going to go then? So if, if we're going to do different kinds of things with our food, our particular restaurant is really chef-driven designed to have these uh, uh, very crafted meals right in front of you, and they don't do well to go necessarily. So we sort of scoured through the menu and went, okay, this is good, this is not, this is good, this is not, and then tried to reinvent what exactly would work. Um, we came up with some family meals that was served for uh, the rotisserie chicken, the ribs, you know, some of these items that, you know, hold well mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, could be could be packaged and then and then brought home and eaten. The Mother's Day thing was kind of a good example of of one of the creative things that we came up with to do a whole uh, a full scale meal. Everything from an appetizer, salads, entrees, desserts that you kind of we did partially cooked some of it, but gave you instructions to kind of finish the whole thing off. Mm. And that was pretty successful. But unfortunately, it's not Mother's Day every day. And, <laughs> <laughs> That's um, not what my mom know, said. She a- said every day is Mother's Day. <laughs> 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 so to keep something like that rolling, um, we did put together some grill kits that you could purchase from us that would require you to kind of do the cooking. Mm. We'd have all the mm. ingredients there. And, and that didn't really go over very well. We just, it, <laughs> it was a good idea, but like nobody was biting on that. They just wanted to have the food cooked um, and brought home and, and be able to eat it right away and without all the work. I mean, that's the beauty of the restaurants, right, is to have these well-crafted meals where you really don't have to do anything other than show up and spend your money and be catered to Mm-hmm. You don't have to prep anything. You don't have to clean up anything. You're just being served. So, um, yeah, the whole idea that that part of our culture was going to go down uh, just mm-hmm. by virtue of we're just unlucky 
right? It's just we're the way this goes. Our business model has worked so well for so many years, suddenly would just get broken. Um, and, you know, there's there's a little light at the end of the tunnel here now that things are reopening and we've we've gone to 50% capacity. But, you know, the odd thing is like we feel like we're half hospital workers now too with masks and gloves and we're cleaning mm-hmm. and sanitizing everything, which, which isn't, that's not the model or the idea of the business that we intended, right? It was supposed to be a warm, welcoming, hospitable place. We greet you like you're coming into our home, get you to a table. Now we're giving you paper menus and uh, (laughs) disposing of everything after you leave, asking for your name and your phone number so we can contact trace you in case something were to come up. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, It's just brought on... Uh, just a whole different feeling, and we're, we're trying really hard to keep it, you know, into that hospitality mode. So, I guess my question, one one of my questions, based on what you said, is, you know, you're you're recreating the model, right? I mean, you had a paradigm shift overnight, so you're doing everything different. Is the goal to get back ultimately to the way things were before, or are you trying to? figure out the new model moving forward for what it means to be a restaurant in this day and age? Well, I think the hope is that we will get back to some semblance of normal, but how long that's going to be is is obviously in question. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to have to do a little bit of both. We're going to continue to do takeout and carry out and try to get creative with the food that we're doing there. And then also, you know, the dining experience you know, as as it evolves to feel less sanitized or less of that hospital feel, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, because it looks like we're going to be wearing uh, masks now for the next few months, if not longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be kind of a normal, normal business operating as, as, as much as your uniform, your, your mask is part of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how you're your team, your staff, uh, any of your employees that maybe were involved in this process, um, how did you figure out what was the right next step? How did you, like, what did those conversations look like? Or or how did the creative process of saying, okay, well, we can't do it like this anymore. We're going to have to at least do it different for a while. And maybe it could look like X, Y, and Z. How did that all come together? And, and what are you, what did you maybe learn about your team through that process, if anything? Well, um, all the employees in the in the in our teammates and our team members, you know, we all had to kind of go through a really strange time, starting with just furloughing all of them. So mm. you're gonna you're gonna not work. There's quite quite a number of them that that aren't U.S. citizens in in our business, and so they don't have the ability to collect the unemployment like the other ones did. So there was kind of a when it initially happened, I got really panicked, thinking that you know this, there's going to be some kind of desperation with them when the money starts running out. So mm-hmm. we tried to figure out ways that they could connect with different organizations to, um, to to get some cash flow to them when they weren't working. And I think we were successful in some places, but then we did have a couple of staff members just raise money and then distributed the money to all the people that weren't working or weren't collecting unemployment. So it was kind That's of an awesome. organic thing that just kind of came out of it. And it, you know, which, you know, at times of crisis, people start to look around and go like, well, I'm being well taken care of. What can I do for, you know, my brothers and sisters that have helped me, you know, in, in, in what, how I do my work? 
and see if they need help. And sure enough, they needed help. And so that happened, and that was that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We haven't been able to bring all of them back to work j- just based on what we need. We're running at about like 60% of the sales that we were we were doing before all this. So you can imagine we just we don't have the ability to to spend the money on the labor to bring them all back. So that's been kind of heartbreaking a little bit. And I've heard some stories that there was people have had to loan money to others and and it sounds like they're, you know, it's it's a fairly tight-knit community so they they do help each other, but they're proud too and it's hard to to get um good information about how how hard a struggle they're they're going through. Mm. So I, I'm still concerned about that and, and, and their community and how and how that's going to look in the future too. That's really that's really awesome to hear though because I think you know it'd be really easy to think like oh it's just I mean just a restaurant downtown and you know why would why would anybody who works there you know be handed over any of their extra cash to somebody who needs it right I mean I think it's just a it just is a powerful testament to maybe other areas where you've been successful uh, that certainly you know that obviously there's a tight enough group of people that they are looking out for each other I think that's it, it certainly is a creative way given the current environment to be taking care of that community and hopefully you know long enough that hopefully someday when we're back to full capacity there's uh, you know a, a, a more a more tight-knit community even further down the road in terms of who's working there and and yeah. the the product that you're able to put out then because of of the the group of people that are working together yeah that's right and it, it does seem like certain certain ideas are being accelerated around the community you know just about how we care for those who aren't you know quite like us or came from a different place than us that we we see it as more as an accepting an accepting environment for them you know it's restaurants are are places where this is where you first get your feet wet in the american culture for um, a a lot of immigrants Um, so you know we're there to kind of help them along, help them learn the language, help them learn the culture. And then, you know, we learn about them too. Uh, they're, they're, we're uniquely structured for that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's both enjoyable and it's, and it's painful too. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, you know, you see the struggles and the, the heartbreak of things that happen, not that anybody's struggles and heartbreaks are, are important, but we, we certainly see it. And then we, we're seeing it more now than, than I've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful it's all gonna it, it'll work out by you know the the grace of God and 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 the goodwill of the people that see the struggles that people are having and and get out there. I mean, there's going to be some casualties, and I think there already has been of of some restaurants that just aren't going to make it. So, in listening to you talk, um, I was thinking about the, I mean, all of the major shifts you've had to go through, and even thinking about like. Starting in a place, you know, last year where your creativity was in putting these dishes together and making sure people felt hospitable, um, helping people feel comfortable in your restaurant and those kinds of things. And then shifting that creativity into how do we survive this and how do we care for each other? And now shifting into kind of this new thing as well of how do we operate now that we're at 50% capacity and how are we, you know, also doing maybe to go meals and like continuing in that creative thought. And I'm just curious in all of these transitions and all of this strange reality that we're in, have you found um, new ways to take care of yourself and new ways to stay 
healthy and well yourself and also take care of your team and what are the new normals at work that you have found <laughs> that are getting you through <laughs> well well you know personally i was i was furloughed for six weeks and uh, i found that I exercise more in that six weeks than I did probably the last two years. <laughs> so that's just me. I, I, I think I'm considered, um, um, I'm, I'm kind of a workaholic, so I need to find something to get, keep me busy, especially with my hands. Because if, if you're a chef, you like to work with your hands, just like a carpenter or a masonry or uh, an electrician or somebody like that that just likes to build things. Uh, and then, yeah, to, to try to, you know, the creativity kind of comes in trying to keep people motivated that, this new, um, my boss came up with a term called sparkle. So everything has to sparkle. Hmm. Um, our dishes have to sparkle. Our tables have to sparkle. Our walls have to sparkle. Our floors have to sparkle. Everything about the restaurant should feel like it's sparkling. Um, so to motivate everybody to get to that place, it's difficult because it's hard work to keep a restaurant clean. I mean, it's, it's things, you know dripping and falling off shelves and uh you know <laughs> if, if you've ever seen four gallons of popover batter spill onto a, a tile floor um it's not the easiest thing in the world to clean up um, so yeah i think we've we've been trying really hard to to help keep the managers and the people who are in charge you know mentally tough you know kind of an a, it's kind of like a new level of grit that's that's come into play that we haven't had to sort of deal with before and there's been times we've been you know i'm gonna not gonna lie we've been at each other's throats a couple of times about you know something that just kind of set somebody off or with the pressures and the stress of of what's going on so um but i think overall the team is doing pretty well that's good to hear so aside from the Derek jensen buns of steel covid19 workout um <laughs> have you have you found any new patterns to help you stay well you know like uh any new practices any you're uh you're a guy who likes to study and and keep his mind fresh uh any, anything yes. like that well <clears throat> yeah i mean i i, I like i like to involve myself in in ideas and and um get reminded what what good ideas are about and um, and how we keep them alive, and how we discuss them, and how we uh, you know act our lives mm-hmm. amongst those good ideas about caring for each other, and uh, you know just just having that ability to be you know as a as a chef who who has you know twenty five cooks and a, and a few sous chefs, you know it's always that balance of being fair and honest, but then also holding them accountable for when things are not going wrong. And then also seeing that myself too. Um, that's kind of always the uh, operating procedure, but you know, through this time it's been, hmm. it's been even more so. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just, I mean, just trying to follow the news and watch the news. I, I've just decided to limit myself and try to try to keep with things that um, feel more real or more true that makes mm-hmm. sense so um i know that um the bible study groups with the men in the morning is always kind of a stabilizing factor because they they have a certain vision of the world and how they see it and how you should act in it mm-hmm. um it's just more of a how, how they talk about it and then actually what those guys do when you hear the things they get involved in so that's mm-hmm. that's always uh inspirational and motivating to hear you know, older retired gentlemen trying to figure out, you know, where their best 
needed and how they can help the community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's nice. So what have you learned during this time about yourself, about your work, about this community, about your team? I think I've seen um, a, a real resilience in the city of Rochester. It's, it's such a healthcare oriented uh, city. And I've always felt, um, I felt early on as, as, as the population of the residents in town are very educated and knowledgeable about what it means to listen to healthcare professionals mm-hmm. and, and have their respect and regard for them. Um, I think what I've learned is that at one level, I was thankful that uh, the restaurant was filling up with doctors and nurses and patients from all over the country. <laughs> um, but then as this, as this played out, an even deeper regard and respect for not only just before it was just their money and now it's actually <laughs> what they do. Mm. Um, you know, where I think that I, my priorities, you know, about thinking about them um, has definitely shifted. Yeah. I, I, I have a, a, a way, a larger regard and respect for the work they do and, and what goes on at the Mayo Clinic. So, um, and that spills over into the community too. And I, you can definitely see the difference, especially now when we're um, when we're in a limited capacity. The people who are coming from out of town versus the people who are citizens of the city or or people who are working in the city, and how it even spills to them. It's just a good reflection on what kind of a city this is. I, I'm thinking about just kind of the time that we've lived through, and there was a night. It's actually the night that my daughter graduated from high school. We were going to order food from Chester's because it's a place that we like to get food. You know, it was not open. The restaurant was not open, but takeout, you know, you had a a curbside thing going on and still do. But we're going to get some food from there. But then it had to shut down because there were protests and fears of what was going to happen to businesses and whatnot downtown. And so that uh, a lot large portion of downtown was was closed as protests were happening in the in the aftermath of, of George Floyd's uh, uh, killing. Tell us about that. I and mean, what was that like? I mean, you just had started to reopen, and then there you were closed down again, and it was just another aspect of this era of our life and in, in being community and being citizens uh, of this world together. Uh, yeah, that was another interesting twist that uh, I, I couldn't have made up, even if I had in my wildest dreams. Uh, I remember very clearly it was Friday, late Friday afternoon, um, and we started getting emails from the, the, the owners of the building. And it, well, it was a late afternoon, it was early afternoon. And then as, as the day progressed, it just got to be more and more of a buildup of, um, you know, something, something could happen, mm-hmm. something very different. And I noticed, you know, people were running through the restaurant. I'm like, why are they running through the restaurant? Well, they were... They decided that we should probably go out and clear some of the tables and chairs that we had set up outside in case people were going to vandalize the place or something like that. And I just was like, where are we? <laughs> this is really strange. <clears throat> As it turned out, really nothing happened, but there was sort of this strange panic that happened. And we did. We closed early that night, um, and we all went home. Um, and then the next evening, Saturday, we opened, and there was going to be another rally. Um, this time, 
we stayed open a little longer, but we ended up closing early that night too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was that was kind of. I remember we were just kind of scratching our heads. I was there with the general manager, and we just kind of looked, looking at each other like, how how much more strange can this get? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't turn out to be as as, as uh, bad as some places, obviously. But. Sure, sure. Uh, there was. It turned turned out to be. Uh, Maybe closing down out of out of just a, as a precaution, but uh, less of a of a thing. But I just a right. strange another strange uh, element to what you do during the season and and how to respond. Right. It was uh, there was fears for our safety at, at a different level. You know, the COVID is one thing, but then when you've got the potential of, of just angry citizens running around mm-hmm. or rioting or whatever, um, yeah, that that had its own own sort of fear factor to it having lived through the last several months of of pandemic life uh being where we are now looking ahead uh if you could give a sense of wisdom uh for 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 people as we as we move forward what would that be you know i think that if anything it it's it's accelerated our um it's accelerated some parts of our culture um and sort of decelerated others. I, I guess, you know, it, it's made me think, you know, a little more deeply about what, what we really value, you know, to be told that, um, and I think the church had to do this too, because, um, you know, what is essential, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> is a church essential during a COVID when you, it gets shut down? Or is a restaurant essential? Is a movie theater essential? But the, uh, you know, the, the grocery store is, or the, uh, the hardware store is, it made you it made you think like well how uh, how important is the work that I'm doing in in the grand scheme of things and what and and then on a deeper level you know what is it that we really value about what goes on in our lives and, and I think that we gotta we're gonna grapple with these questions especially about the things that we value whether it's family it's work it's it's uh, progress it's uh, equal equal justice under the law. There's a lot of lot of lot of discussions going on about, you know, how we how we move forward in the world and how we progress to make our lives better and lives better for everyone. So, yeah, I it's a good hard look at what we value. I'm Ben Grace. I'm an Australian singer-songwriter, uh, currently based in San Diego. I, last time we talked, I can't remember where I was, actually, <laughs> was out in the world, because um, I wandered there for a while. But yeah, I've been a musician for 20 years, and uh, that's how I make bread, and that's still how I make bread in COVID. Awesome. Uh, I'm Karen Thurston. I am a, a writer, a copywriter for income, but also a poet and a lyricist, and just generally, if there are words to be put on something, I will put words on it. That's mm. <laughs> that's the whole gig. I'm also a mom to a seven-year-old, which is super relevant uh, in this moment and figuring out how to work yeah. and all of those things. So yeah, and we're here in our, our little studio slash office slash awesome home. which was formerly formerly a closet which i have kind of made into a vocal booth we are currently in the closet yeah <laughs> oh well that's that's great it's it's uh it's great to have you both here uh i guess the first question i have is how are you both doing during covid how are you how are you holding up with the being at home thing and and what's new for you 
How does anyone I, I answer know. that question anymore? I, just, I, I guess I just keep <laughs> asking well, it, hoping I mean, somebody will have a good one. <laughs> I think we're here. We're here and yeah. we're okay. <laughs> we're, we're doing things. I don't know. How are you, Ben? I think it varies from day to day. It's funny. I came into COVID and I would have said, uh, I just turned 40 last year and I would have identified as an extrovert up until COVID hit. And uh, at first I was like, oh my God, I miss people. And then I'm just like, mm, I think there's specific people I miss. <laughs> um, yeah, that's called being but, an introvert, Ben. People in general. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's introversion. That's the definition. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think it's interesting for us too, because we both, we work from home and we're used to, before this, we were working from home together in, a, in the same space. So the, the big difference for us is that everyone mm. else is home yeah. now too. So it's, it, it is a little bit like everyone came and invaded our workspace. <laughs> so uh, that's been an, that's been interesting to navigate for sure. Yeah, we just moved into a new house uh, like four or five weeks before COVID hit uh, with uh, Karen's podcast host mm-hmm. or co-host Pardon. from Heathen Podcast, Matthew and his husband. And um, so, yeah, all of a sudden we had, you know, four adults, two cats, a brand new puppy and a seven-year-old child who comes and goes 50%, 50% of the time. All in one space, all of the time. <laughs> it's been cozy. <laughs> yeah, I was curious about that with you recently moving um, into this house with friends and collaborators and apparently, you know, part of a zoo. Mm-hmm. How yep. has being yep. in such close community influenced your work and what you're up to? Yeah, I mean, we went from, we were going to be housemates and that was such a cute idea when everyone was like going out to their day jobs <laughs> and doing things and then we are... We are housemates <laughs> now. Like we did not know, and we 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 literally moved into the house and then kind of locked mm-hmm. down within the span of about three yeah. weeks. So, and our church is also live streaming from our house. So we are we are both our everyone's office, our own home, and our church at this moment <laughs> in time. So it uh, <laughs> it's a multi-purpose space. Yeah. Um, but it has definitely been, I mean, I think what this quarantine has been for everyone is sort of just like an intensive in living in relationship with other people uh, or in living in relationship with yourself uh, for those who are kind of isolated on their own. Um, but it has definitely been just the just the little logistical things, I think, uh, have been surprisingly mm. complicated to figure out just the noise and who sits where and who's looking over whose shoulder at what time and uh, you know, when does everyone eat lunch? And yeah. <laughs> it's just all these little details that who finding quiet spaces to work when someone is in every room of the house is fun, you know? Yep. And so what do you take a phone call? You know, a complicated question. Yeah. And we all do things that are noisy. We're podcast hosts and musicians and, you know, one of us is seven. So everything that we do <laughs> has noise and uh, it's just been, it's been it has been a glorious cacophony and it was not productive for the first I would say hmm. month or so. Yeah. We watched a lot of Netflix and just sort of sat around and stared at each other and went You know that's we a that's a thing do. that I think we've uh, we've we've forgotten. So I remember seeing a bunch of people posting things on Facebook and and other social media about how like this is our time to shine. Like all we have to do to beat this is sit mm-hmm. on the couch and watch <laughs> Netflix. And yeah. I think we maybe just need to remind people that that's how we do this. 
Because I really enjoyed, <laughs> right. yeah, Let's go back I really to the enjoyed those first this, few weeks. <laughs> the, the, the Tiger King days. <laughs> I was yeah. here for yes, them too. exactly. The Tiger yes. King period of quarantine. <laughs> but it is funny. And I think kind of getting through that period and into the next part where I think we had to really start to cooperate together. You know, that was that was really like, okay, now we really have yeah. to try and make this work because this could be a reality for months and months and months. And I think at this stage, probably, you know, a year uh, at least. Yeah. So, at that point, I think you do switch gears. And I think I'm really thankful that I think this was the move we made right before this uh, because the people we live with are spectacular. And I think we couldn't do what we do, which you know, one of the things you guys want to talk to us about in happy hour mm-hmm. uh, would not actually exist if it wasn't for us being locked down in, yeah. in the same house together. together. Yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. It's been, that's been one of the fun things that I've been able to see hmm. uh, your work from afar uh, is to, is to join in on mm-hmm. that a little bit, but tell us a little bit about what that is and, and how that came about. What was the conversation that led into that <laughs> happening? <laughs> what I love about you than happy hours, it's a com it's like a combination of things that each of us respected, like respectively don't like. So like Ben had always been really resistant to doing cover songs just in general because he's an artist, you know. So like, as a cover songs. I just heard songs. the eye roll. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm not a big fan of live streaming anything if I can avoid it. Video freaks me out, uh, as as we've witnessed today. Um, and so we had all these little pieces, but we also had a, a studio. We've got our, our this bonus room in the back of our house. We had a studio. We knew that people were home, and we lost all of our ways to do anything live we all are live performers we love doing live shows we love being uh, one-on-one with it with a real life audience so live streaming video was really the only thing that we had and we had the setup from streaming church yeah so we just thought what the heck let's try this and see if we all go on together and see what happens and our other housemate chris was is a, right. a bartender yep and works at a brewery and so he was you know he was our horse right from from nailed it you know who would pull in who'd kind of make us drinks and he'd come on and, and sing songs occasionally and um, so he's he's gone back to work. So we've lost our lost our horse on yeah. Thursday nights, um, which is really sad. It's hard. It's hard for us without. What is a happy hour without a Not so happy. So what even what even happy hour is is every Thursday night we go live through our our heathen podcast page and we do a themed night. Our first one was. Uh, formerly the Dixie Chicks, now just the Chicks, uh, and drag and Disney. And so we pick a theme and then folks can make suggestions and requests. And we learn, we've been learning 18, 20 cover songs every week (laughs) for this thing. Uh, So then we just go live and we we do a bunch of covers. And uh, often there's a whole drag show involved where we're all, you know, dressed in elaborate drag costumes and doing the whole thing. And uh, really it's become kind of this interactive peace with the audience it's mostly a back and forth between us and the people in the comments and yep. just goofy and fun and and the communities all over the world i mean there's there's aussies on there because i've got you know friends and fans from there and then there's people from the midwest and the south and pacific northwest and yep. it's it's a there's a real committed group at this stage uh, we've been this this week was number 15 uh, there's a real committed community of people who are there every week and then there's people that sort of drop in and drop out randy is one of the committed guys he's in yep. there every single week you want and um, hmm. he just loves that. And I think it has for some people who are really isolated, who live alone, I think it has been a really big thing. And then for others who are just, <laughs> you know, parents who are trying to homeschool for the first time, it's the one time of the week they get to kind of mm-hmm. kick back and just laugh and, and be silly and remind ourselves to be human. So, yeah. so tell us a little it's bit more fun. about that community because I'm really curious 
you know, you said all of you are, are live performers and, and you have various ways of, of sharing your arts through that live performance or, or other means too. But what is it about this that has, has helped carry through maybe a sense of normal, maybe just kind of the value of that community? What has that been looking like um, over these last several weeks and months? Well, I think it comes a little bit out of the, the Heathen Podcast subtitle is Less Alone, More Alive. Well, that's one of one of the things. Mm-hmm. Spiritual Conversations for the Godless is, is the actual tagline for Heathen Happy Hour, Heathen Podcast. But the Less Alone, More Alive, I think, was what we leaned into a lot, especially in these times when that of COVID, where you, people did feel very isolated. This was a place that people could just come and be themselves and be really goofy. You know, I think as adults, we, you know, we take ourselves pretty seriously. And I think this time at first, you know, felt really critical and felt pretty heavy. Uh, and I think Heathen um, Happy Hour was just a place to laugh and be really stupid. And I think the element, once we kind of settled in, it took us a couple of weeks to find the thematic nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, once we settled into that, the the fun people would have with the requests. So one of the uh, the nights we did recently was Madonna, Mariah, and meteorology. <laughs> so meteorology being any kind of weather. <laughs> like you do. <laughs> like you do. And I think people just had an absolute blast trying to come up with the most ridiculous suggestion, you know, and, and kind of when people would just, you know, would say something in the comments and it would blow up. I think that affirmation and that yeah. connection, which we're all missing, um, was the thing that people kind of held on for. and. Mm-hmm. You know, and often it's, you know, it's, it's heathen podcast, so it's a little irreverent <laughs> at times, uh, which is really fun as well. <laughs> it's a little irreverent. Always. <laughs> and that's a new tagline. <laughs> which, yeah, which is part of why, part of why we've kept it like running through the heathen podcast page that we don't have to do many disclaimers because people, you know, the word heathen alone, people are like, oh, I have feelings. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it does a good job of setting the expectation for us. But I think too, something that a lot of people have reached out and said to me, because we do have our, we've got our core group of about 20, 30 people that show up for this thing every week. And one of the the big pieces of feedback that we've gotten from the people who really have become kind of part of this church of heathen happy hour of every Thursday regular community um, is that, that that Zoom chat fatigue, the FaceTime fatigue mm-hmm. is real where you're just, mm-hmm. con- so there's something about being able to participate without mm-hmm. being seen, to be able to participate in the comments without the pressure of like being seen that I think has felt like a, a nice respite for people. They still feel like they're interacting, but it's just a little different from that weird disconnect that you get with the all of the FaceTimey chats. Being, yeah, being on, you don't have to be yeah. on, you yeah. just have to be Relax, present. Relax, and- be in their PJs. Yeah. And- you know, and because it is a happy hour, you know, most of the time people have a drink in their hand. And so, you know, we're usually on there for about 90 minutes to two hours. And so, it's a good amount of time, I think, to unwind and relax and really kind of let down your hair and just be just be fun and goofy and human. It's uh, absolutely what I love about that is in every aspect of our society right now, like you said, everything is so, there's very little, very little humor, very little levity anywhere in our, in our lives right now. And, and I think you're... You've you've named right you've named there the 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 thing that I think we need right now because we have to we have to mm-hmm. have a release otherwise we're we're going to implode yeah yep. yeah we needed yeah. play we needed play and we and we needed also like we were facing the fear of loss of income and loss of all kinds of things and I think we needed something that we could do that also didn't feel like we were taking ourselves so seriously and and you know oh gosh oh gosh we have to figure out what to do with music and we have to figure out what to do but this was just a, it was silly it was a reprieve and i think that yeah that playfulness has been the thing that has having to return to that every week has been a really helpful rhythm for us yeah. for sure 
And we, you know, we've done nights like boy band night. Like it's, it's not always stars of music that we're totally like, this is our, our soul <laughs> jam, you know. Um, but but some of those nights are the, are the most I don't fun. Know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, some of those nights are sometimes the favourites because they're just real. They're just so light and so fun. And I think with everything that's been going on in the world outside of COVID, with you know, just with George Floyd's death and all that kind of stuff. It's so heavy at the moment and politically it feels heavy. So I think, you know, creating space and creating community for people to just be reminded to laugh, I think has been Mm -hmm. essential. Mm So on that note, I'm kind of curious, you know, certainly the, the heathen happy hour has been this in some ways, as you just said, but um, what kind of patterns have you found to help yourselves stay well and have you found any new normals or new practices or just maybe similar practices but in different ways because of the number of people that are always home (laughs) uh that have helped you Mm. stay healthy and stay you know able to to move forward and still create things and 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 be who you are boy i feel like we've changed our mind on what the practices are like Mm. regularly every (laughs) two weeks (laughs) Since this whole thing began, we're like, okay, and new plan. Um, <laughs> but, and it has been that because we really had just come into this space. And so we have been kind of renegotiating everyone's boundaries and everyone's space and things. I think change is the only constant, right? And yeah. especially in this situation where even though it feels so stagnant, every week there's new information. Every week there's something different that's kind of in play. So I think really kind of the practice for me has been a very intentional holding loosely of what the plan is and Mm -hmm. trying to just allow for a lot of flexibility around it, which is not my, my natural bent, especially as like a homeschool teacher, which is not something I thought I would be (laughs) at this moment in my life ever. Um, And uh, to just to try to live in that kind of liminal space and live in that. Okay. We don't know what's going to happen next week, next month, next year. So what's the, you know, the, the frozen two next right thing. <laughs> what is the what is the next step that we can take today to get something done? And if we get anything done outside of surviving a global pandemic, we're doing really well. Like if we get anything done in addition to navigating this relationally, professionally, if we get anything additional done, we're doing really well. Yeah, I think that's, I, I think it's been different every single time. I, to begin with, we're still obviously a little bit in winter, right? So, it felt like comfort food and sort of, you know, every day having a happy hour was the thing. And after a while, I was like, I got to stop drinking every day. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you, I'm, I'm, still, I'm, I'm still a human. Uh, so, for me, for me, running is a thing that, that always promotes mm-hmm. health. And so, I've been trying to kind of get out and run like three times a week. And that's been huge. But it does, it does change. And we've also, we're evolving here in happy hour right now too. So, because it was, you know, between 14 and 20 brand new songs we were learning every week, which was a lot. It started to feel like, oh, this is so much work. And our lives were starting to get back. There was some work trickling in. And so, you know, how do we negotiate that? So, we're going to every other week for the covers show. And then, you know, in the other weeks doing original stuff again and building that into the audience. And I think a lot of that is about what what brings us joy? What brings us to light? If we just get stuck in another rut here, then we're just going to go crazy. So, kind of following your joy and following your delight has been something mm-hmm. I'm paying attention to. Yeah, and we I think we went through the initial six weeks of sort of okay is this temporary what's going on (laughs) we weren't we weren't spending too much we were coming up with ways to get through this brief period and then I think there was a place where 
I know I personally had to shift my thinking to, okay, what is the new normal? Like what, assuming that we are going to be here for a while, what becomes the new normal? And that has looked at a lot of like really intentional rethinking how we do community, how we do friendship. We've been, my friend uh, Kate and I, who's one of the co-pastors of our church, we've been driving around and decorating people's front yards, you know, just random, silly, silly, again, always play, but trying to come up with new ways to just kind of tear down all of the boxes of the limited ways that we have to communicate because just FaceTime wasn't going to cut it anymore. Yeah. Uh, and that's been really kind of stepping into the possibility of, oh, we could do, we could, we could go as wild with this as we want to. We could do all kinds of completely unprecedented things because these are unprecedented times and why shouldn't we draw a mural on someone's <laughs> driveway, you know? So uh, opening that up a little bit, uh, I think has been really healthy for us just going, okay, like let's, throw out the entire plan what could we reinvent and it's kind of strange time too i think if you if you hold on too tightly to the um to whatever is the new normal um then i think like i someone said it but like just getting stuck in that rut again like i think there were so many things that we've discovered that um just weren't working for us and uh this is Mm -hmm. kind of in, in its at its best, uh, there's certainly a lot of things that aren't great about it. But at its best, it's an opportunity for us to really reflect on those things. Um, and so, I think the idea of holding it loosely is really helpful. It gives us a chance to actually play with those practices, actually play with those, you know, new boundaries, and actually play with those new opportunities and see like which ones are working for us, which ones are really helping us connect, and which ones are just feeling like well, we have to do that. Well, that's a hmm. It's probably not right. the the best one to pick if it's on the have to do that list, right? And now we, we have maybe a little bit different clarity yeah. around some of those things to to be thinking about it now. Yeah, completely. We're both Enneagram threes. And so I think it's been very, it's been a very intentional coming to like, we don't have to win mm. the pandemic. Like we yeah. don't have to win it. We don't have to do the absolute best, <laughs> most efficient, most productive pandemic that anyone has ever done because there isn't one there's no bar there's no like this this is how you do it right (laughs) everyone is just making it up as we go along which is like kind of a three nightmare but now we have to aim for being good at that right like let's just be the best at making it up as we Mm go but the obligation piece has been the thing i think at the top when i mentioned the extroversion i think i did a lot of things out of obligation i think the slowing down feels like returning back to things that we're just supposed to do as humans, like mm. cooking yeah. and enjoying that and learning a, a slow skill. Like our, our world has got to such a crazy, hectic pace that I think this has really got back to, you know, like we're gardening and doing things like that. You're just like, <laughs> um, which I know I love that. And that has definitely been healing to me, I think, to realize that this pace is slower the obligation like i think part of my fear for opening back up again is i'm gonna have to learn how to say no to people (laughs) (laughs) boundaries well and 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 certainly there's there's that fear of opening back up again but there's also the the thing i think as we become adjusted to this new thing it's kind of like what we were talking about Hmm. i think before we maybe before we started recording but about you know sometimes seems like the pandemic ended because people just got bored of it. It's like if people, if enough people get bored of it, we're going to find every possible way we can to go back to what we think was normal, which is going to be that fast pace. And it's going to be those demands. And even though you're at home and even though you're maybe teaching uh, your seven-year-old, whatever the newest, newest, Mm -hmm. you know, math homework is, 
you're still also going to be expected to do all of the other things. And um, again, that's where I just hope we have right. a little bit of good self-reflection during this time to maybe not just resort right back mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, especially because that expectation disproportionately affects single mm-hmm. parents and women, you know, just in our culture and the way that things are structured. Like that is, that's a huge tension point for me is just, you know, if school is not school next year, you know, and everything is expected to go back to normal, that's it. That's a lot to carry. It's a, it's a lot to hold. And, you know, what have we learned in this time as a community for how to sustain that? What, what tools are we taking out of this, you know? What do we know we can do remotely now that we were hesitant to do before? And who knows? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we shall see. Well, you know, like, and, and the, the idea that I've been ho- holding for a while now is that busy is the anesthetic to the pain that, w- that we have. Uh, yep. So if, if, if that's true, I love what you said earlier, uh, Karen, uh, like maybe our number one job right now is just is to survive the pandemic yeah. and, and to help others do likewise. So how do, you know, it sounds like you are leveraging your gifts to help others uh, survive the pandemic, uh, both being able to stay home uh, and have some, uh, just to have a bright spot in their day, have a, a place of connection, have some community, uh, even though we're, we're, we're locked up. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, actually physically survive and not get this, this virus. Right. Um, yeah. Right. So yeah, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Thanks. I think that does feel like something that we can do. I think, you know, it's, it's easy to feel like there's not much we can do, but one thing that we can do is we can tend to people's emotional needs. Mm-hmm. That's, we're artists and that's what we do. You know, that is our, that's our, our thing is to either put words to the thing or make space for it or write a song into it or mm-hmm. any of that. And that, that feels like a good space to stay in yeah. for this. Cause I feel like our emotional survival will shape, you know, what the world looks like after this, how well we all come through this, mm-hmm. how whole we all come through mm-hmm. this will shape where we go from here. Yeah. I think early in, in this whole thing, we're kind of reading up about when this has happened before. And, and, you know, I think so many people's concern was the market, right? Finances. Mm. What's that going to be like? But I remember reading this one article that pointed out that people that had shut everything down, people who had kind of suspended mortgages and, and, and done all that the market opened up much more optimistically. But if we're, if we're coming out of this from a place of like poverty mindset and from a place where we're digging ourselves out of debt because we're mired in that, then we're just going to be back on that rat race again. We're going to be back mm. just chasing that thing as opposed to just letting it all rest. Like this is fallow ground. Like this to me feels like, it, you know, a sort of biblical idea of, of Jubilee. We get, we mm. get a little moment just to pause and kind of let the, let the soil just rest. And I love all the stories that are coming out about nature just kind of really kind of blossoming in these moments when we're not, you know, pumping things into the air and not kind of running along all the time. I think that's, that's really beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it has me curious what, um, what are some of your hopes for after this ends, whenever it ends? Um, <laughs> what are some of your hopes of what you remember and, and hold on to and, and the things that you continue to do? And maybe even further, we as people, you know, whole society what do you hope that we continue to remember from this time or what do you think we've learned that we need to hold on to i mean i think it's uh, for me it, it feels twofold and that i hope that we i hope that we come out with an awareness of of what we can live without i think that that matters i think that we get stuck in this you know highly capitalistic consumer mindset of like oh my god we need all of these things and if if nothing else this has sort of forced us to sit back and go well look at that we did a whole lot of nothing for a month and we're 
we're here. We're still here. <laughs> <laughs> so, neat. Uh, turns out all I need is sweatpants. <laughs> but, um, I have not bought new shoes in a while. Uh, and I think also just, I hope, I hope that when we, we do have the opportunity to really open back up safely, I hope that with that comes a new appreciation for closeness and intimacy with people, mm-hmm. with strangers and crowds and, and knowing I don't think that's something I ever considered could go. Like taking my kid to the playground, I don't think I ever sat back and went, what will happen if I cannot take my child to the playground? I know I never considered school not being there for her and her not having that experience mm-hmm. of just going to, to school every day. So I think there is, there's always something beautiful that comes on the other side of mourning the loss of things where you, you have that renewed appreciation for what a privilege it is to be in those spaces. And I'm excited for the day, you know, however many months or years it is in the future where we get to be at a big outdoor concert together and jumping up and down and just reveling in that and looking around and and acknowledging what a beautiful privilege that is to get to do. Uh, I think that'll be, that'll be a good day. I think we learn, I think the slowness thing is the thing that I'm kind of leaning into on, on the answer to this, Carrie. I think it how how to slow down to learn to take care of each other and hold each other's stories mm-hmm. and listen. Um, I think that's been something that I think Heath and Happy are, you know, people have just been really generous with the way they have shared how their week's going with us, you know, and mm-hmm. really sharing the, the hard parts of that. We have people who are immunocompromised who come in every single week and, you know, it may be a long time before folks like that are able to kind of really um, go out safely. Um, and so I think being able to hold each other's stories and care for that um, feels like the ultimate privilege. Yeah. Uh, and I think people who are rushing too quickly to open it back up and, and worry about these things, just like, oh, I, our story as humans is more important than it, than capital. You know, mm-hmm. humans are more important than money. And I think if we can take time with that, because I think that for years to come, we'll tell the story of what this time was like. And I think that's important. The other, the other thing that I that I've been really uh, coming back and forth with contemplating a lot in this is as image projectors. Again, mm-hmm. we're both threes on the enneagram, so we're we're people who are very influenced by the opinions of other people, uh, and we're in a, a a period of unprecedented lack of peer pressure mm-hmm. in our lives because we're not out in public. When we are wearing a mask, you know, we're, we're pretty well camouflaged and hidden, but we're not at parties, you know, having to navigate our social expectations and. Uh, just everything from playing around with different ways to do my makeup or like what is my preference what are my habits when I'm actually like not influenced by huge numbers of people that I'm trying to impress all the time what do I actually want to do what do I like to do and that's kind of a neat it's a neat opportunity to get Mm -hmm. to to kind of have that time where you really are sort of in a bubble more or less Mm -hmm. to kind of go huh I wonder what happens if I try this oh look at that I had no idea so that's been fun. It's been fun to explore a little bit. So we've had several weeks off of uh, doing a, like several, I should say several months off of doing the Sandbox uh, podcast. So we are totally out of practice for asking questions. <laughs> it's okay. We can just keep talking forever. It's fine. Oh it's my very gosh. Helpful. Yeah. No, this is. I, I got to say that the, the funny thing about that, that rustiness is while we've done the Heathen Happy Hour uh, thing every single week and we've done church every week and we're do- doing a lot of things i think like last year Karen and i wrote 50 songs together it was an incredibly fertile creative time mm-hmm. and this year i think we just i just crossed like 10 songs like it's we're just crawling a snail's pace i think there is something about 
you know, even though there's space and even though there's time, I most of my creative friends I've talked to said they haven't been really writing very much. It's just sort of a survival mode. We're surviving a mm. pandemic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's kind of interesting. You know, I think the creativity has felt a little different. Um, like I've put out two signals in this time. One was um, The Sound of Silence, which I was asked to uh, do by my friend Jim Keat for the Riverside Church uh, podcast for the Lent series. Um, and then I released a song which was going to go on my record called Write the Fear of Lullaby only because when I shared it with some of my inner circle people, people were like, hey, this is perfect for this pandemic because everyone's kind of really sitting in that anxiety and fear. And, and so mm. I released that early. And then Karen did write a lyric uh, called Quarantine Hymn, which we're kind of recording currently. Um, and then Karen and I have a, a, a brand new project called Story and Tune, uh, which we have a song coming out this Friday called Torch. Um, so there's been a lot of recording, you know, there's been a lot of that kind of, you know, <laughs> thing, but, but not necessarily the kind of, I don't know, that the, the ideas uh, don't seem to be coming thick and fast. I think that kind of, it's a different part of your brain, <laughs> the questions, yeah. you know. Well, and it's, that's the, it's a functionality of, of trauma, you know, like that is that anxiety, all of those little pieces, like we are all experiencing at least a low level of trauma. And mm-hmm. part of that is sort of that depressed mental capacity and that, mm-hmm lack of creativity and so I think figuring out how to push into that to lean into it when we need to to work with it and work you know in cycles through it and be creative in the midst of it even if that creativity is really just silence for a while even if it's just waiting and observing Mm -hmm. and taking notes for what we'll write when we make it to the other side yeah you know it's interesting though when i when i hear you guys talk though is if you're not being creative i I, it sounds to me from the outside looking in that you're incredibly creative it's just that it's being expressed differently um yes Mm -hmm. you're not you know the creativity isn't getting channeled into maybe writing as many songs as you did a year ago but heathen happy hour and and creating space for community is is just a a a huge lift and a huge uh piece of creativity that i think uh it's just again it it may feel different uh on your side but as again as on the outside looking in it looks uh pretty pretty wonderful and creative to me yeah thanks i I mean i've got a tattoo on my arm which is the symbols for play write record repeat Mm. and when i got that back in 2015 i think one of the the promises i made to myself is i want to do a little bit of all of those every day that was what i told myself it's like all of these things need to be happening all of the time in order for me to be successful at this particular task (laughs) and this job being musician a three on the enneagram (laughs) (laughs) it was this sort of prescriptive thing that i put in my body as some sort of promise but what i've actually started to realize over the last five years since the tattoo got into my body was that you start to fall into seasons of one particular thing. Mm-hmm. Like you might be in a real writing season where the where creativity is coming, you know, thick and fast on the, the ideation side. But but the play, like the performing side of that is very, requires a very different set of, of skills. And it, it sort of occurs to me as we're talking about this and talking about Enneagram and types that, that perhaps who you are is being expressed differently in this period of your life. Um, and maybe you're, you're trying to get your needs met differently. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. And we may have been trying to do something for a long time and trying to do the same, as we often do as humans, do the same task over and over and over again, expecting a different result because we're all a bit <laughs> mad. <laughs> Whereas we find ourselves in this period of time doing something differently, but still finding those needs being met and being mm-hmm. surprised by that. And I think that's that could be a real delightful gift of yeah. the pandemic for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the other piece of it... Um, 
it's just what's what what are we what are we going to see and and I'm curious specifically what are what are the two of you going to see when we are on the other side of this you know I think it's certainly there are things that we're learning and you know we've we've shared a little bit of those but when we really get to get to look back on it how do we perceive what we all just went through because it's it's hard it's in some ways that's that's the kind of the thing that I am feeling right now is it's it's hard to express too much of this at least in terms of what I'm learning because I don't know yet I haven't gotten there (laughs) and not that it won't not not that it won't shift after the fact you know as as i continue to reflect on it and those sorts of things but really three months is a long time but it's not as long as it could be you know there's there's more to it and so i'm just kind of curious what yeah yeah, what comes on the other side of it how we see it down the road right yeah i think about that a lot through the lens of fable of my daughter uh and i i was in the 1989 earthquake in near san francisco and i remember that i remember that moment as a kid i remember where i was i remember the whole thing and it's a story i tell you know about my childhood that's the the story that i tell you know i was a little, little and i i think about it a lot i've written about and thought about a lot in this last few months about what is the story that she will tell about this time what is the story that that we're giving her uh coming through this and what is what will she remember what are the days that will stick out for her what are the the big takeaways, you know, what, when she, when she gives the cliff notes version, you know, what will that sound like? Mm -hmm. And, and I, I mean, we don't know, I think is, is a big part of it. We don't know if we're through the, the most memorable and substantial moments of this, or if those are yet to come, we don't know. Um, but it is, it is an interesting way to look at it is what, what story are we telling? What, what story are we writing for her in all of this? I think one of the things I am hoping for is I think that the time we've had to, you know, plant seeds into ourselves and and kind of do some of that self-work, I hope when we come out of this, that same desire for intimacy will be just as strong. You know, uh, I think as a performer, one of the things I find, as much as I know that what we're doing in Heathen Happy Hours is a work that really is meaningful to people, I will find myself at the end of the night feeling a little empty because I'm so used to finishing a gig and going to the back of the bar and sitting down and having a chat with with someone there you know in the in the audience who just really connected with something mm-hmm. or you know as the case may be because I'm more of a house show kind of guy you know like really sitting around and and, and sipping whiskey till two in the morning and hearing the real stories of people and, and so I think that's the thing I miss more than anything and I cannot wait to just kind of do that again and get back mm-hmm. out and kind of experience that intimacy and real and hearing the stories so mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping is other people too will be like, oh my God, we need like human connection and we need live music. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping anyway. If nothing else, we will come out the other side of this with our house beautifully divided into very individual workspaces <laughs> for everyone. Like, we will have that on lock. And hundreds of cover songs. <laughs> so many cover songs. <laughs> yeah, we are officially a cover band after this. We will no longer ever have to turn down a gig because we don't know enough cover songs of the past. You know, after the last three months or so, after what we've been through, and we don't know how long this thing's going to stretch out forever, what is a, just a, a bit of wisdom that you would, you would give to others who are uh, trying to muddle along through this, through this time? Be kind to yourself. <laughs> that's, that's the song that our, our church requests over and over. And we know mm. you just sang it. Sing it again. Sing mm. it again. We need to hear it again. Mm. Be kind to yourself. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. be kind to yourself. Yeah. That and mine, mine would just be an expansion, expansion on that. But I think that that's, that's a beautiful, simple way to say it. And, and every day is its own day. And every minute is its own minute. And, you know, you are allowed you are allowed to be an ocean. You are allowed to ebb and flow. You are allowed to mm. feel completely differently every 10 minute cycle. That's normal. 
Mm. It's normal and acceptable and allowed and you are okay in that. And we're all riding this thing. Yeah. I, Karen said ebb and flow and did remind me of a, a post on Instagram I put up, uh, a, I'm not sure how long ago. It feels like yeah, a second ago. It was probably months ago. <laughs> Last year uh, and a long, yeah. long time ago. <laughs> but it was during this period. And I think one of the things that definitely as an Enneagram 3, I'm sort of tempted to bind this lie that we're this constantly improving progress, move forward, you know, the line's always moving upwards. Mm. And that's just not true. Like our body is mostly made of water and we know that the, the water in the ocean is affected by the moon and the tides. Mm. Um, and so we do ebb and flow. And so, you know, rather than beating myself up that I'm just, I'm not much better than yesterday, like just realizing it goes backwards and forwards. And some days you're really productive and you're feeling really in tune and feeling really settled and happy just being by yourself. And other days, all you want to do is run down to Denny's and sit at the bar and talk to some stranger, you know, <laughs> um, and that's, and all that's okay. That's just called being human, you know, and it, we're not robots just designed for this forward marching progress, you know, onwards and upwards, you know, yeah. all the time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sandbox Cooperative Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with all the things that we've got going on in the Sandbox, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or sign up for our mailing list at sandboxcooperative.com. You can also rate and review us on iTunes and join us in the conversation. And as always, be sure to share this podcast with someone who might like it, because there's always more room in the Sandbox. Until next time, we'll see ya. Bye. Please watch your step as you exit the Sandbox.